Welcome, friends, to Two Guys and a Podcast Nerd News Edition. Hello, everybody. This is Terry Cagle. I'm joined here with Jason Akins, and we are looking to have a pretty doggone good, action-packed episode for you today. What do you think there, Mr. Akins, as the Superman theme song brings us in? Man, that that, uh, Superman theme song takes me back to when I was a little kid. And um, Christopher Reeves, the great Christopher Reeves, I mean, the first Superman film, I, I, I watched it on te- television. It was a, a movie of the week. Oh, yeah. And and it was hooked after that, and I remember my mother taking me to see the second one, and we kind of went from there. It was, But it, uh, he really set the bar. He was the first successful superhero adapted to film. To me, he was the be-all, end-all it- Set my love up for Superman. You know, I remember watching the old school cartoons where he was fighting the mad scientists and everything like that. And my love for my love for Superman was based off of Christopher Reeve Superman. Did you ever have a chance to see any of the old television shows? Most of them were in black and white. I did. George Reeves. I did. With no relation to Christopher Reeves. No. George Reeves played. Uh, Superman, and that's where you know you get a lot of the up, up, and away right. type stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I loved watching when I was a kid. I would catch it sometimes, like on a Saturday or something. They would show yeah. it, and it was just great. Yeah, he was he was involved in the Black Dahlia murder too, if my memory serves me correctly. Wasn't he? You know, poor old George Reeves. He um he he was troubled. He was he, he was top cast uh, with the Superman um, Superman. Uh, character and had a very difficult time i think he might have tried to do a little professional wrestling at one point but by that point they said they considered him too old and he just couldn't really he had uh unfortunately he committed suicide yeah committed suicide that's very sad there was a movie about that um and I can I watched it. I can't remember. Yeah, I think Ben Affleck played him for whatever reason. It was in the Black Dahlia. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. Now, he I wasn't. Think, he wasn't the Black Dahlia too. Yeah, yeah I yes. think he was involved with one of the producers' wives or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but yes, yeah, it went along those lines. Anyway. Some, some some old Hollywood um, yeah. secrets and lies type yeah. thing. And then when Christopher Reeve, Reeve had his bad accident, everything everybody started saying, "Oh, there's a curse." The curse of the city. Well, yeah. in fact, I'll go even further back before George Reeves there was another guy that played him in the 40s yeah. and I believe he committed suicide I'd like to I'll look that name up I'm almost certain okay. that 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 was the case well since since we're talking about Superman right off the get-go you know I don't know if you've seen it or not but there's a rumor that after uh, the big success whenever DC came back with the CW thing with the um, their big event with Crisis on Infinity, Infinity Infin- I can't talk today, folks. I'm sorry. I'm all kinds of tongue tied. The Crisis on Infinite on Infinite Earths. Have you kept up with any of that at all? I've been trying to do just a little bit of digging on it, but yeah. I never did watch it right off the bat. You know, I uh, I watched the first. You know, they broke into broke it into two um, time periods. Uh, the first one was mainly in December. Then they took a few week break, right. and they came back this January. I watched the first set of it, and you know, honestly, I have a hard time with the CW shows because I've gotten accustomed to the level of acting and production in the films. 
So it's difficult for me, plus these being TV, they can only go so far in a lot of things. Right. And I believe they're gear, geared toward a younger market. Right. So, you know, I'm kind of like, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's all right. That's interesting. You know, I like to see when they show some of the obscure characters, yeah. but it's not, it, it's just not on the adult level. So I've had a hard time yeah. with it. But, uh, yes, they, they have done a very good job, in my opinion, in bringing together all of these different, not just the CW shows, but this was very much, and you've heard a lot of talk about the Marvel uh, the multiverse mm-hmm. and how that's coming through the Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. Well, the multiverse is just as big a thing in DC, and you know this. Not as big as it used to be. Not as big. They, they because DC had all of the multiverses and everything, and then all of a sudden, when Crisis came out, if my memory serves me correctly, there was they did a big story arc to condense everything down. Because it had gotten so huge and mm-hmm. so crazy, mm-hmm. that's whenever they came in with the new Fifty Two. Right. The new Fifty Two was supposed to set everything back in order, where everything was based off of one. If my memory serves me correctly, everything was based off of one single DC universe. Right. Right. But the rumor coming out of Crisis of Infinite Earths is that the whole Brandon Roth. Have you heard anything about it? Okay. Because what I'm what I'm hearing is I didn't mean to cut you off, but you know fans have been had such a positive response off of it that him and the producer and you know a few others are meeting up with Warner Brothers or have been meeting up with them over the last few days and everything to try to have a limited series that was that's the timeline of it is based post infinite crisis and they're either going to try if it goes through they're going to try to do it on either the cw or hbo max well now that would put a spin on it for sure if they did it on hbo max um brandon roth has really kind of found his stride with the cw shows Mm -hmm. you know he he really poor guy kind of crashed on superman returns it was not well received but the thing the thing is with that i don't believe it was him necessarily that story sucked. It was bad storytelling. That story sucked. Well, and it was, you know, it was really pre-MCU, pre-Dark Knight, I believe. Mm-hmm, it was. So it, it just wasn't there. And a lot of what they did was very much as homage to Christopher Reeve's Superman, which, um, you know, it was kind of fun to watch. But it just wasn't interesting. It wasn't there. So he kind of labored in obscurity till he got the role of Atom, A-T-O-M, on the... Um, was it Arrow or Legends, Green Arrow? No, it's Legends Earth. of Tomorrow. Okay. Legends of Tomorrow, which is one of the more obscure DC titles. Right. Um, you know, just like you said, DC has taken and kind of collapsed the multiverse with their new 52 and recreating the storylines. Mm-hmm. So they brought in some of these new obscure titles. Yeah. But, um, you know, he has seen a rise in popularity. Mm-hmm. I think this is one case where someone's lack of popularity in a role may have actually built him uh, kind of um, uh, uh, an underground fan base. And they brought him back for the Superman role in Crisis on Infinite Earth, and people loved it. Yeah. They just loved it. Well, people, you know, a lot of people talk crap about Superman, but let's face facts. He's the king. 
Oh, yeah, if comic you book heroes, he's a king. You know, without Superman getting popular, there would be no more other characters in DC. There would not be any Marvel. He was the first. He was. You he know, was. and... Action you know, comics. And like I said, you know, I thought he got a bad rap. You know, much like the guy that played... I can't remember his name right off the bat. Much like the guy that played James Bond right after Sean Connery. He did the one movie. It wasn't the fact that if you... If, uh, I think it was on. Oh yes, yes, it on was Her Majesty's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Service. Did yeah. you ever watch that movie? By I, I wa- you know, I've watched all the James Bond yeah. movies growing up, and, and some of them more than once. Yeah. And yeah, he, uh, you know, he just really the guy just uh, kind yeah. of. To, un- it was an unfortunate spot to be in. It was. It was an unfo- It was an unfortunate spot to follow Sean Connery in mm-hmm. that character because nobody. That was a big backlash back in the day. Oh yeah. Okay. And on top, that story sucked. Yeah, it was a bad one. You know, there were some bad it ones. It wasn't him. I thought he did a fantastic job playing James Bond. I did that too. Story just I did too. sucked. Well, as they as they rolled into the seventies. A lot of the James Bond movies, uh, the stories were not very good. Mm-mm. You know, I'm think I'm I'm looking directly at the Man with the Golden Gun, which is one of the worst. It was absolutely yeah. worst. It was. But you know, you run. You got Brandon Roth having talks with that, and you've also got a a new straight to series show coming out called Superman and Lois. Now, who's going to be playing Superman in that? The the other guy that played in um, Infinite Crisis. Okay, the guy, the uh, yeah. the the guy who played, um, he was in the black Superman outfit, I believe. No, he was in the blue one with the uh, with the little art with the red right up here. Kind of reminded you of the uh, Injustice look. Okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. Oh wow! You now know, that, and I, you're running, you're going to be running into it. You know, you hit you hit it on it about an episode or two ago about DC's continuity. How are you going to explain all of this continuity issues? Think about it. You're going to have him. You're going to have Roth. If if that if that fires up, which I hope it does, but at the same time, it's going to create a problem. You've also got Henry Cavill, Cavill that's doing an outstanding job as the character of Superman. His stories might suck, but he playing that role is absolutely awesome. To me, he is the best one since Christopher Reeve. I agree. I, I really like the job Henry Cavill yeah. does, yeah. Um, and I think the movies are well done. Uh, this is my theory on it. Okay, DC has had this terrible continuity problem with their their shows, their movies, yeah. uh, and it's just it's they're they're ten years behind Marvel, and and the gap is growing. Yeah. This is what I think. I think, all right, if you go back to what you had originally asked about the Crisis on the Infinite Earth series, which has been very well received, very popular. Ezra Miller, the Flash from the Justice League film, makes a cameo in there. And in his cameo, I watched it on YouTube, he's like, this isn't possible. And the other Flash is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also the Flash. And he's acting like he's never even heard of the term, the Flash. He goes, ah, oh, the Flash. And they're talking, and then he eventually just kind of fades back, fades away. What I think, you know, they've been working, or been talking about working on a Flashpoint film. So that will be totally Flash-oriented. But I think what they're going to do is they're, they're, they're saying, okay, this is our multiverse. We have our film properties. We have these CW properties that are all in sync with each other. This is our multiverse. And then what I think will happen over time in the years to come, 
as things get played out, they'll do just like they've done with the comics and collapse that multiverse. Like the New 52, where it's just one universe, they'll say, okay, that's collapsed, it's over with, now it's just this, this cinematic universe. But I, I think that's what they're trying to do to keep, because that's been the biggest complaint. It's like, well, the shows don't go with the films. How do you make that work? Well, the only way you can make it work is to say, well, they do, because they're just happening in different universes. And these film people and show people and different shows, I mean, because when they did showing some of the different universes on this crisis, you saw the Teen Titans from the streaming show. Mm-hmm. You saw the, some, a, a scene from the original Michael Keaton Batman. You saw uh, the guy who, who voiced Batman and Batman, what was it, Batman 2099 mm-hmm. or something like that? I'm talking about Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot from different different time periods that people wouldn't have thought. You even had a cameo by the guy who played Burt Ward Robin in the original 1966 Batman series. Mm-hmm. So I had, Tom, I had Tom Welling from Smallville, too, as well as Erica Durrance. Who played Lois Lane? Abs. Yes. Yes. Didn't mean to cut you off. No. 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 That was necessary. That was good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what they're doing is showing. Okay, we're going to show off our multiverse and show you how it connects to the films, because no. it's all one big multiverse. And then over time, they're going to have to work their continuity out. No. And I don't know. I'm. I'm. A, I'm interested to see what happens with this Wonder Woman film, if they don't use this film as a, almost a reset for the uh, for the. Um, DC uh, film universe. To to me, that character does not need a reset. And that's the part that I don't understand about going from where they were into into Wonder Woman 84. Because from what I've seen, and they're bringing back uh, Chris Pine's character, her love interest for the first one. Right. Right. That's throwing a humongous continuity wrench. He's brought back through some other means, it's not. He's not naturally alive. It's still in continuity with uh, the original Wonder Woman. Yeah. But I, there, it, and it follows along, and it would take us too long to go into it. The comic storyline with Wonder Woman, where this quasi villain, quasi wannabe hero Maxwell Lord, who plays that in the film, right. In in the comic, he has this device where it can alter reality. Right. And I'm one theory out there, and I'm hoping this is the correct theory, is that that will be used to correct some of the past DC stuff and start them afresh. You have the Robert Pattinson Batman. That if they're if if they're not absolutely idiots, they've signed him to a long term deal. You've got Henry Cavill Superman. You've got Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Is their most uh, maybe probably more popular than Wonder Woman to be honest with you. I'd say they're neck and neck. Neck I'm not going to say I'm not going to say either one of them is more popular than the other one because that Wonder Woman movie was was arguably the biggest thing that they've done lately. Yeah, it was. You know, I personally I loved it, and then when Aquaman came out. You know, I've always been a bigger fan of Aquaman. Yeah. You know, I go back to watching him ride the seahorses on the cartoon. Okay. And he could talk to the fish. You know, yeah, where he could talk to the fish, and because of <laughs> because because of that cartoon, I never in my lifetime ever thought I'd see him on a big screen. I thought that destroyed him. I did too. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I thought 
that Paul Walker, before he died, would have made an excellent Aquaman. Well, you know, I thought he would too. Yeah, uh, he would have been. An you know, great... especially especially after he did that movie where he was underwater, and he, I think Jessica Alba was in there with yeah. him. Yeah, well, and what? he he did a lot of a lot of ocean conservation work. He did. He was big with Shark Week on Discovery Channel, yeah. and um, but you know, really, that was that. Everybody, well, you know, I loved him in The Fast and the Furious. I don't watch those movies. That's not my cup of tea. But I do recognize the guy did good work, and he did yeah. good deeds. Yeah. You know? you know, but whenever whenever Momoa took it over, he's on the character. Oh, yeah. They'd be, they'd They've be, signed him. He wants, he wants to do it for as long as they will let him do it. Well, I think he sees, kind of like, kind of like Chris Hemsworth, hey, this is the most money I'll ever make, yeah. the most fun I'll ever have. Yeah. You know, I am not um, Javier Bardem. I am no. not De Niro. I am not Pacino. No. I'm not going to get an Oscar probably for playing dramatic roles. This is my this is my bowl of rice. Dude, Conan is playing Aquaman. Think about that. Wrap your head I around remember, that. Yeah, I remember watching that film with you, Conan. Conan is playing Aquaman. Yeah. So, and he's a straight-up badass. Oh, he's great. He's great. Now, the only thing I don't like about the Aquaman film is it was a little... There again, I like my DC dark. I like my DC dark. Yeah. You know, and it was just a little too kid-friendly. And I'm not saying it has to have cursing and just vulgarities. I'm not saying that at all. I like, I like more gravitas, more drama, um, more serious, a more serious tone. To me, it was serious, but I get where you're coming from. But here's what you got to think about, okay? Number one, it was the first time you'd seen Aquaman on screen other than in the Justice League. Okay? That's true. And his little brief snippet in Batman versus Superman, which I we, we've talked about this till we're blue in the face. All of that was rushed. Oh, too bad. Way that, too rushed. And, 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 but yeah. but that is his, this is, was his origin story. Okay, they had to tell the story on how he became, how he got the trident and became the king of Atlantis and everything like that. They had to set that up. You got to remember in that story, the Aquaman saga, it does get dark. Hell yeah, it does. It, get, it does get dark. It does. Oh, so, I did, I did. Who was it who played his brother, Ocean Master? Uh... Oh, gosh. I can't remember his name for the life of me. I want to say it's Will something. Uh, just, yeah, we'll go with it. We'll, yeah. du- we'll double check our facts I, I and get back he, with you on that one, folks. I thought but. he was a little bit corny. I'll be honest with you. A I little mean, bit. The worst part of the film was when he's when he, when he kind of takes over and he says, just call me Ocean Master. I just thought, you know, that could have been done better. Uh, that's just kind of corny. Yeah, it was. And, you know, and, and then... Um, you know, I just, I, I just thought there could have been, and then Black Mana, who should be a very, Black Mana is a tragic villain and, a, and ruthless. Yeah. I thought that could have been a little bit, I mean, when I, to me, when I watch that, if I see Black Mana, I want to feel like that is a dangerous guy right there. He is a dangerous guy. Yeah, but I didn't get that feeling as much from the film. But that was the first time you'd ever seen him on film. I agree. And I agree. Only, and the only thing, the little fight that happened with Aquaman on that was just piss him off. Yeah. Okay. Well, true, true. And there, and there again, it goes back at the end where the where the conspiracy theorist was right there on the cutscene, 
looking at all of his stuff, and he's like, don't do that. You know, yeah, he got beat, but he's coming back. Well, Christopher, I'm going to tell you, Christopher Nolan just pretty much ruined me as far as DC goes, because now everything I see DC, I want that same level of grittiness, of dark, yeah. you know, and, and and it's just hard for me to break out of that. I understand. You know, and, and going back to Superman, and I have said this till I'm blue in the face, and I will continue to say it. If Superman would have had the crew behind him that the Batman character did on that Dark Knight trilogy, what could have been? It would have been better. It would have been much. Oh my gosh! It would have been it much have better. Been, it would have been so much been better. Much, much you better. know, I mean, they could have done a whole deal where the first movie, and then they could have brought in Doomsday if they wanted to on the second movie, kind of have an Empire Strikes Back dark feel. Yeah. And then on the third one, you know, he could have came back and just kicked everybody's butt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, the possibilities are a whole lot, are a whole are not as limitless, are not as limitless necessarily, but at the same time, you know, only thing that you've ever seen in the films as far as Superman goes is Lex Luthor and Zod. Zod. Richard Pryor's character. <laughs> yeah, we still haven't figured out who yeah, that the was. the Sun Man, or Nuclear Man. That was the worst ever, maybe It ever. was terrible. It was beyond it was terrible. terrible. Beyond terrible. You know? And then Doomsday. For what? 15 minutes? Right. If that. Right. You know, that was just a... That, that just pissed me off, because if you go back to the comics, the fight that he had between Superman and Doomsday, it lasted for four comics for a month. Four weekly comics, once a week, for a month. Yeah. That's how long the fight lasted. Mm-hmm. You know, up until Superman ran out of gas. Yeah. As did Doomsday. Yeah. And he kills Doomsday. And the thing with Doomsday, that always makes it interesting. The way his genetic makeup is, you can kill him one way. He's like the, He's like a flu virus. Okay. You can kill him one way this time. He's coming back. He regenerates and all that good stuff. And he is immune to that. What killed him the first time? I don't know if you knew that or not. No, no, I do know that. I do know that. Um, so, you know, yeah, you can continue to use Doomsday if you want to, but don't butcher it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Superman can only die so many times well, before it loses it, it was, its flavor. It's almost like with um, Justice League... And when Superman, Batman versus Superman in Justice League, it was almost like someone who had never really been a fan of the comics but liked those storylines yeah. said, let's do a movie about those. And there was no one there to say, well, wait a second. This has all got to make sense. No, let's do it. That's a great story. Yeah. You know, this is only going to be for right now. And uh, who cares about five years from now? Yeah. Well, that's what we was talking about when comparing them to Marvel yeah. the, the last week. Okay. Marvel has a laid out plan and everything else. Warner Brothers does all of that. They look at it just like you say. Oh, this will make money. This will yep. make money. This will make money. There's no continuity. There's no continuity. None. Okay. If DC had had the setup like Marvel did, the DC stuff would be better than Marvel, in my humble opinion. Well, and and come up, that's a DC guy talking. It is a DC guy talking. I love both, mm-hmm. but the stories, as you were talking about, they're darker. Yeah. They're more, there's, there's a whole lot more depth to the stories right. in the DC universe 
versus the Marvel well, stuff. And that's where my you opinion. Know, I'll watch the Marvel movies because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Because I like, I feel invested in the characters because they've done a good job with it, right? And because I just, I just enjoy it so much watching those films and watching it unfold from the from the comic book page to the film. Same. DC, I go to see a dark, more dramatic story. Yeah. And I, you know, so, or at least that's what I was. I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah, that's like on the uh, the the new Watchmen series that I talked about on a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I promised it. I am working on it. You will get an in-depth, detailed story as best as I can about that. But that story is amazing. You know, it's gotten a it lot of great reviews amazing. from critics. It's gotten a lot of good reviews. You know, I don't know if it, I do not know if it would translate to the movie screen, though. It's just like, dude, it's just like Civil War with Marvel. The very first one. Not the second one. The first one. Yeah. If there is no way that you could translate that comic story too to much. the movie screen. Too much happening in it. Way too much. I mean, that would be yeah. I you mean, know? and plus all they they had decades of groundwork laid. Yes. So to tell that story, yeah. but now before we go any further, though, um, you had mentioned this to me, and I it sounded great to me, and I think it's something that um, something we need to look at, um, but. Uh, before we before we go any further, um, you know we uh, just just today just before you got here, um, the reports were coming out about um, a tragic event that took place in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, apparently, Kobe Bryant was killed in a plane crash, or I'm sorry, a plane crash, a helicopter crash. I'm so used to saying plane crashes. No, no. Killed in in the hills of L.A. Um, I had heard Rick Fox. Was on board that helicopter. I, I haven't. I can't get that verified anywhere. I'm not sure, so I don't want to yeah. put that out there. I don't know who all else was on the helicopter, yeah. but um, just you know, I had kind of gotten away from the NBA when Kobe was coming on to the scene. Um, I was ten years before. I was more of a Jordan, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Michael, G- uh, Magic Johnson. Those guys, I the '80s to '93 were huge for me with the NBA. I just didn't think it could get any better, yeah. and so I kind of drifted away from watching it. But then this Kobe Bryant, I kept hearing about, I kept hearing about, and I finally watched him, and he was incredible. He was. He truly was incredible. Tell you know, me, uh, you, uh, tell me about you, what you think here. I I personally think that you know everybody talks about how great and wonderful LeBron James is and yes I do believe he's a talented mm-hmm. superstar you know but you know I as for everybody wants to compare him to Jordan on how on all of the accolades and everything like that LeBron James in my humble opinion is not anywhere near Michael Jordan you know, I don't think anybody is, but there's always the exception to every rule. If there is, if there is or was anybody that was close to Jordan, it was Kobe. Uh, Kobe, you know, Kobe had a fantastic career, scoring titles. I think he had sixty. I think he had sixty-three points or eighty-something points or some ungodly number. Some crazy stuff. You know, in one game where everything he was throwing up was just falling in. It was yeah. just one of those games. Uh, you know, to me, if he came straight out of high school and if his body would have held up a little bit longer, 
there's no telling what that guy could have done. You know, he tore after he tore his Achilles and everything. He was pretty much done. Yeah, he, he was. He was. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it hurt him a little bit. The the fact that he and Shaquille O'Neal, both big names, had they. It was just the the constant either whether it be fact or mainly rumor of the constant feuding and inability to work together. Yeah. I think that hurt them both. There was some feuding there because Shaq looked at it as his team, and Kobe looked at it like it was his. Right. You know, and to me, those two were better together than separate. Yeah. You know, it's just like with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. Much better together oh, yeah. than separate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Shaq, Shaq is a big man with a big ego Yeah. when it comes to his basketball, you know. And he great guy from what I've heard and everything like that. But whenever he's on the court, he felt like he was boss. Right. You know. Right. And Kobe looked at it like, you know, this was my team. He was there first. You know, he was there first. Yeah. You know, he got there right out of high school. Right. Never left. Never went anywhere Never else. Never went anywhere else. Uh, no. I, I'd, I'd say probably, you know, in L.A. is one of those programs, man, one of those, fran- one of those franchises that has had some of the true, true greats um, you t- played out there. You tell me one basketball organization in the NBA other than the Boston Celtics that could stand toe to toe with that with that franchise over their whole over their whole time. Span. Nobody but the Boston Celtics. No. Nobody, and 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 the major reason for that, which now with the Celtics, you had Havlicek, you had some of the greats, but um, you know Bill Russell and Harry Bird, those are your two giants with just, the Celtics. Just naming off. Just naming off people from the Lakers just off the top of my head. Will Chamberlain was there for a stint. The yeah. only man that's ever scored 100 points in a basketball game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. Okay. James Worthy. How can you ever forget a man like Magic Johnson? Oh, man. Incredible. You know Incredible. what I'm saying? Incredible player. Incredible. Any, anybody who is anybody in the NBA other than Larry Bird, Jordan, some of them, but the majority of them have always made their way to L.A. because L.A. is always wanting a winner. L.A. is a, yeah, they're always wanting a winner, and it's, you know, when Pat Riley was there, you know, that's where they got, that's where they took kind of the name Showtime. Oh, Showtime was awesome. I mean, they, they got down with it, man. But, they did. You know, Kobe, I, I, I really, after watching him some, I could see, I was like, my gosh, this guy is great. Kobe was magical. He is great. Kobe. Now, in my opinion, Kobe is in is in consider at the very least, and this is just being modest in consideration with being in there with the likes of Jordan, Bird, Johnson, yeah. Russell, Chamberlain, put, all all of those elite characters. I agree, guys. I agree. that ever played the game. Kobe, Kobe should be. He's got a he's got his place there. Yeah. No, I agree. He definitely you know, does. And, I, th- I think I think the NBA and the basketball community has lost a has lost a treasure. You know, regardless of you know his social standings. You know, he with his old little court issues that he had years ago. I remember. You know, uh, as far as as far as a player, as far as a teammate, and everything like that. I've never really heard anything but good other than the little Shaquille beef that he had yeah well you know the thing was he was 41 years old yeah. what more could he have done you know of course it's off the court now 
but he had his whole life ahead of him. He did. You know, and a whole other phase of his life. Yeah. So. And, uh, and he left, if, you know, he had, what, four kids? Four or five kids? Uh, four. I believe he had four. And one's a newborn. One's so, a newborn. You know, that's the most important thing. Right. You know, right. don't matter what he done on the court. They've lost a father. They've lost a father. His wife lost a husband. Right. You know, it's a tragedy. So, Condol- uh, condolences to, to his family. Absolutely. And, and um, kind thoughts for his fan base. Yeah. Because, so. you know, in a lot of people's eyes, you know, look how long it's been since Michael Jordan graced the, graced the basketball court. You yeah. know, to us. To us, Michael Jordan and Bird and Johnson, they'll always be the end all be all. They were just yesterday to us. Somewhere somewhere in these in this time span, Kobe was somebody's be all end all and they're hurting right now. So. Right, right. They they've lost somebody they um so it's um but but that all being said, um let's transition uh to something that um you had talked to me about a little bit, and I really thought it was a great idea because it's, it's unlike, usually we just get on here and we talk about the latest news and all that, but every now and then it's helpful, I think, to throw in some information about some of these characters that we banter around about. Yeah. Um, I think it's informative, and I think it's kind of fun. I do too. Yeah. So, um, and, and I always enjoy learning. I enjoy learning because I like to know what I'm watching and, and what's going on. You know, if you're just a casual fan, you just know what you see. Right. But for someone who's more than a casual fan, it's so much fun to see, go and see a a movie or watch a show and be like, okay, are they going to stick with the comics? Are they going to be true to what um, what the comics did? So uh, let's go ahead and and throw it out there. I know you've done a bio this week on one of the um, very important characters in, in, in comic books and in, and in film now. Well, well, Jason, you know, we talked about it and everything. And, you know, as far as me personally, as you've talked about before, you know, I'm a DC guy first and foremost, but I love all comics. And whenever they started making all of these different movies and everything like that, there was some there were some characters in some instances where I really didn't know much about the character. So I had to do... I had to start doing a little research on characters and this, that, and the other. And, you know, luckily I was able to find different YouTube videos and other instances that, you know, talked about them a lot, you know. And I figured that we have some listeners and everything that might not necessarily know as much about some of these characters than what, you know, they see on the movie screen or anything like that. Well, well tell us. What do you so, got there? What do you, you got there? So what I, what I brought to you was, and he agrees to it, so from here on out, folks, unless things change, once a week on the, on the, nerd, on the nerd News Show, we're going to start doing what we're going to call the character bio. We're going to take one character or we're going to take a group and we're going to share, you know, just little Cliff Notes versions, if nothing else. We're going to sh- talk a little bit about their origins and whatnot. And I, figure, I figured right off the bat with week one on this, 
Why not start with one of the most popular Marvel characters of all, one of the men who started everything off. This week it's going to be all about Captain America. Captain America. All right. What if um? What? Let me just start this way. Act. I don't know anything about Cap. Act like I don't know anything about him. Okay. You know. Tell me about this guy, this Captain America. Well, he was published by Marvel Comics, and his first appearance was in Captain America Comics number one, which was in March of 1941. He was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. He's had two other aliases throughout the time, whenever he hasn't donned the Captain America mantle, and he was known as the Nomad and the Captain later on. His team affiliations, that's kind of like a laundry list. The Avengers, the Avengers Unity Division, All Winners Squad. All Winners Squad. All Winners Squad. That's, that's what we're on. The all oh, yeah, squad. we're the All Winners here. We're, winners. we're big winners, man. He was a member of the Illuminati, the Invaders, Landau, Luckman, and Lake. Okay. The New Avengers, Project Rebirth, The Redeemers, S.H.I.E.L.D., The Secret Avengers, The Secret Defenders, the U.S. Army, and he was also a member of the NYPD. I didn't know if you knew that. Or not. I did not know that. So, Captain America is one of Marvel's most popular and oldest characters. Steve Rogers was a small guy with a lot of heart and a lot of guts. Like a lot of men, he saw what was going on with the war back during the World War II era and volunteered for service to do his part to stop it. After he had already enlisted, he was selected to be one of the men to get the Super Soldier Serum, made by Dr. Abraham Erskine. The serum is a success, and it transforms Steve Rogers into a nearly perfect human being with peak human strength, speed, durability, agility, reflexes, senses, and mental processing. The Super Soldier, the super soldier Serum enhances all of his metabolic functions and prevents the buildup of fatigue poisons in his muscles, giving him endurance far in excess of any human being. He is highly resistant to hypnosis or gases that could limit his focus. He has an accelerated healing factor. He is often considered to be the pinnacle of human potential. It worked so good that Dr. Erskine was worried about using the serum on others. He refused to write down every crucial element. He did not keep up with his research, and whenever it was presented to him later on, he was missing a lot of stuff in it. So what happened, or what he left behind whenever he was killed by the Nazi spy Hans Gruber wasn't the exact formula used later. In the ensuing decades, there have been numerous attempts to recreate Erskine's treatment, only to have them end in failure. Even worse, the attempts have instead often created psychopathic supervillains. When the government wasn't able to make any more super soldiers, they cast Steve into the role of a patriotic superhero called Captain America. He was a symbol of hope during World War II, wearing his classic red boots and red gloves. With the blue suit, with the red and white stripes around his stomach, and the iconic white star on his chest and mask that he designed himself. He, was he has carried different types of shields, but the one that stands out is the iconic disc-shaped shield that he throws and catches. It was made by an American metallurgist, Dr. Myron McLean, who was, con who was contracted by the government 
to make an impenetrable substance for tanks. It is a combination of vibranium, steel alloy, and an unknown third component that has never been duplicated called proto-adamanium. He's giving me that look. Yes, it's that very same metal that you find in the, in the bone structure of Wolverine. Okay. Before okay. there was a Wolverine andamanium claw, there was proto-andamanium that made Captain America's shield. Okay. This alloy was created by accident and never duplicated. Whenever they tried to do reverse technology and everything to create it, that's where they came out with andamanium. Okay. He is a master martial artist in hand-to-hand combat, blending Aikido, boxing, judo, karate, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, parkour, and gymnastics into his own fighting style. His battle experience, military knowledge and training, as well as his knowledge of the world of espionage, make him an expert tactician and field commander. Stan Lee once said that he, quote, Always been fascinated by the fact that although Captain America has the least spectacular superpower of all, the mantle of leadership falls naturally upon him, as though he was born to command. Cap is one of the hardest hero characters to write, because the writer cannot use some exotic superpower to make his episodes seem colorful. All he has to serve him are his extraordinary combat skills, his shield, and his unquenchable love for freedom and justice. He fell from an experimental plane into the North Atlantic where he, where he was thought to be dead, but he was just frozen. He stayed in there from the 40s into the 60s in the comic lore. When he was found, he was brought back by the Avengers. He became the leader of the Avengers after he joined the team. But he had a real hard time adjusting to life because everything that he knew was either completely different or gone. Captain America has went against many different enemies in over 70 years. Many of his enemies had ideals completely opposite to the American values that he believed in and that he stood for. Red Skull and Baron Zemo represented Nazism. Crossbones and Dr. Faustus represented neo-Nazism. AIM and Zola represented technocratic fascism. Alexander Lukin represented communism. Roxxon Energy Corporation represented amoral capitalism. Flag Smasher represented anti-patriotism. And Hydra represented international and domestic terrorism. You know... Captain America was always the one that everybody could look at and know that he was going to stand for what was right whenever you read it. He was he was Marvel's Boy Scout. Yeah, Marvel's. I yeah, and I'll go. You know, for me personally, I'll go back to the mid '80s. Um, I wasn't a big Captain America fan. You know, to a kid, he just seemed kind of boring. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Now, as an adult, I can appreciate the virtue. Right, but as a kid, he was kind of boring. I was more intrigued by his um, his enemies, his villains. Yes, and uh, I remember one comic I purchased in particular, "The Death of the Red Skull," where Cap goes into this mansion, and you know, there's all these horrors. Um, you know, every, everything from Adolf Hitler trapped in a 
some type of a, a cube to just these awful characters and in his search for the Red Skull. And finally he gets him and he fights him to the death. Right. Um, you know, uh, but it, he's got, he, he got interesting for me when they did the, the Marvel movies that, that, that they've come out with. You know, you'd mentioned that he had aliases and one of them was Nomad. Right. And that goes back, and, and what I've read uh, and listened to in the past, to the time um, during the Vietnam War and around the Watergate scandal mm-hmm. where he became disillusioned. Right. And he decided he was going to, he just didn't want to be Captain America anymore. He was going to go on his own and, and try to right wrongs, but as somebody else. So he took on the nomad character, literally mm-hmm. a man without a country. Right. And if you, um, knowing that, if you watch how, in the Marvel films, his uniform has changed at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go from Civil War to basically he becomes a criminal. Mm-hmm. He's hunted because he's refused to sign the Sokovia Accords and broken them and in, in trying to protect his friend um, Bucky, uh, the Winter Soldier. And then into Infinity War, he's still on the run. Well, he's wearing a different type of uniform. And it kind of harkens to the uniform he wore as the Nomad. Right. And he's kind of outside of the law. Right. So I I thought that was interesting, and you know I um he just has some great uh, lines and some great scenes in in the different ones. I know uh, uh Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is considered one of the very best total package MCU movies, um, when he's talking to um, Samuel L. Jackson's character uh, Nick Fury, and Nick Fury is showing him these gunships that they're going to use to take out enemies of democracy, enemies of freedom, anybody that threatens, right. you know, the United States or threatens world peace. And he says, you know, this isn't, this is fear. This is, this is fear. This isn't freedom. It's fear. Right. And uh, Nick Fury says this, you need to get with the program cap. And he, ref- he knows then. Yeah, no. Right. And, and, and it, the, the stands he takes throughout the films that he's in, you know, always on the side of, doing the right thing mm-hmm. may not be popular may not be well received um, and it may cost him that he may have to pay the ultimate price but he believes in doing what is right yeah. and so uh, you know for that and I think Chris Evans has been wonderful yeah. he's played him really really well right. um, that has made him one of the more enjoyable characters for me to watch yeah you know, he was one of the ones that other than Thanos that wore the Infinity Gauntlet too, you know, and I think it was Infinity. Was it was it Infinity Infinite Crisis? The Illu- the Illuminati got together. The Illuminati, they, yes, yes. You know what we're hint- what we're talking about as far as the Illuminati goes, folks. If you don't know the Illum- and we're going to cover this in future bios, but it consisted of Charles Xavier, Tony Stark, Namor. Namor was in it. I didn't Namor. know Namor. At was times, in it. sometimes he was a fighting against him, and sometimes right. he was a member. Uh, well, the one, the ones that I knew that stood out was Charles mm-hmm. Xavier, Black Panther, Reed he Richards. was involved. Reed Richards, um, uh, Steve, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange. Yeah, there and Captain America and Captain was America. the fifth person. He was the fifth person, and he was brought in to be the moral compass. He was the moral compass. You know, he, because of his integrity and everything like that. And whenever he put on the Infinity Gauntlet, much like in the movie where Hulk puts it on. Right. 
Okay, they put, Cap put it on there because the Infinity Gauntlet messes with your mind. And if you're not, if your mind isn't right, sound, and it's not sound, it'll mess you up. The, the power will basically overtake you. Yeah. And they were, you know, and in that storyline, there were different universes in the multiverse colliding. And this was kind of the lead up to the Secret Wars. Um, that Secret Wars 2015, not the Secret Wars 1984. But um, and they let him wear it because, like you said, he was the he was the most grounded. Yeah. And but unfortunately, it didn't work for different reasons. Right. And um, they decided they would come up with a plan where they would just destroy every other universe to save their universe. And he said, "No, that's wrong. That mm-hmm. is absolutely wrong." So, I believe they put him in some type of uh, they wiped his memory or did something in a way to try to stop him from stopping them. Right. So, but you know, there's there has been a lot of people that has that has put that shield on, but I just wanted to focus on the main one, the most iconic one. And that would be Steve Rogers. You know, you also had Bucky the Winter Soldier who don, who donned the shield and donned the mantle of well, Captain America. I happen to have a little bit on that. And you also had the Falcon, but Falcon. what what have you Sam got, Wilson. my friend? Okay. Well, we know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, streaming series is coming out toward the end of this year. Right. Okay. And f- for those who aren't keeping up or haven't, uh, it, that is said after the events of Endgame. Um, and, and you just need to go back. It's too much to explain. Go back and watch Endgame to see what happens to Captain America. But basically, he hands the shield over to Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Right. And he says, you're the guy that needs to have this. And the show picks up with Falcon having the shield and trying to don the mantle of Captain America. Well, the government is still unhappy with him because he would not sign the Sokovia Accords. Um, And they decide, you know, this is something that they need to control. So they come up with their own version of Captain America, and they call him U.S. Agent. And he is being played by Wyatt Russell. Um, Wyatt Russell has been, the last film I saw him in, was that uh, World War II Nazi film that came out. Um, gosh, I cannot even remember what the name of it was. Do you remember what, about two years ago? Was it the... Uh, it wasn't the one about the kid that was a pacifist and wouldn't tote a gun, was it? No, 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 no. That's This, this one was actual zombies. Actual zombies? Zombies. They parachuted into a Nazi research center. And they were, the Nazis were developing zombies. It was kind of a crazy movie. It did okay numbers. But he played the um, protagonist in that. And he's been in several other things. Um, but he's going to be playing John Walker, who is uh, becomes U.S. agent. And um, in the comics, U.S. agent was also trained a little bit by the Taskmaster. Yeah. Well, if you go to the, the information that's coming out about the Black Widow movie... The Taskmaster, of course, he's in that. And he, he, he kind of, in the comics, he trains a lot of villains. Um, that will lead into Gen- General Thunderbolt Ross forming the Thunderbolts. Taskmaster will be a part of that. So all, and, and of course, General Thunderbolt Ross being the one who was over the Scovia Accords and a big military guy in the U.S. government, it's all kind of connecting. So um, if, if it goes by the comic storyline, U.S. agent will basically take the mantle away from Sam Wilson. 
Um, and then there'll be, you know, we'll have to see how it all unfolds in the, in the TV show. Um, but, um, you know, there, there have been other people over time, like you, you had mentioned, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, he took it on at one time. Um, I know there have been other characters that have taken the Captain America role briefly. Um, you know, and there's even been a storyline in the past few years where Captain America is a Hydra agent, and he's actually a villain who's working with Hydra. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of interesting stuff there with him. Okay. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All uh, right. Welcome back, guys. Two well, guys of the podcast, Nerd News Edition, Nerd number News two. Edition, number two. Okay. <laughs> Um, Jason, have you got have you heard any other Marvel news or anything that we haven't talked about? Well, the only thing that I have heard that really holds water right now, and I'm hoping it holds water, is the um, rumor that the Morbius film end credit scenes have been leaked. Oh, really? Yes. Now, the two end credit scenes, and this is a spoiler warning for those of you that this will mess your viewing up, but according to what I have heard, um, the first end credit scene is what we see in the trailer, with Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. The Vulture. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know what the circumstances of that are, but that's it. Well, for the, well, not to cut you off, but for those that, don't, that might not have been familiar with the movie or anything, can you talk a little bit about, can you give them a brief description of who The Vulture was? The Vulture was the antagonist, the villain, in the first Spider-Man film, uh, Homecoming. He's a guy who is basically a contractor who ends up, kind of losing a lot of his business because of Tony Stark. Um, this is all a result of the attack on New York that took place in the original Avengers. Okay. And decides to use his um, the the alien technology he's gotten in his, his scrapping business along with his cohorts to design uh, technology to th- steal things and to deal weapons on the black market. Now he was portrayed by Michael Keaton, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Now the second end credit scene, and this is a, this is big news for Spider-Man fans. Um, the second end credit scene, allegedly, Adrian Toomes, the Vulture, introduces Morbius to Doctor Otto Octavius, who everybody knows who's a Spider-Man fan. That's Doctor Octopus, right? And because he is kind of a technological guy who's putting together the Sinister Six, um, so. Hopefully, Sony's not going to rush that, because this is a Sony production. Obviously, they're borrowing some stuff from the MCU because you got the Vulture there. Right. But uh, that would be very interesting if done right. And the rumor is that they're looking very hard at Harvey R. Bardem to play that role. There have been no talks, but if not, they've got some other actors who are similar to Harvey R. Bardem that uh, they might want to play that. Well, I think he'd be just about perfect for the role. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, and I'll tell well, if, you know, uh, another actor that uh, some people at times in the past have mistaken for Harvey or Bardem is Jeffrey D. Morgan. Yes. And he would be interesting in that role. Jeffrey D. Morgan would be interesting in just about any role. I think he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. The guy can, he, he's, he's good and he's a real good villain. Yes, he is. Real good villain. He's a good, good guy. Yeah. But he's an even better villain. Absolutely. So, with that being said, um, I don't really have anything else 
uh, of note or of interest. I, I would like to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Esch, who is normally with us. Now, sometimes you may hear the nerd news or these shows, and it may be a different combination of the three of us that are typically on here. It may be just one person, or maybe all three of us. Right. Um, but you know, we, we try to keep the content coming to you and, and put out a product you enjoy. But I'd like to give a shout-out to him, and um, do you have anything else to add? I'd like to give a shout-out to all of those who are listening to us. Please keep the listens going. Please keep the downloads coming. Folks, we're doing good. And we really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to give us a listen. You know, we'd really like to ask you to just keep telling your friends, you know, about the show. And hopefully we start, we keep putting out the content like we want to. And, you know, hopefully it's something that you and everyone else that you talk about really enjoys. You know, we're really trying to build this thing up. Well, that being said... I guess it's time to close it out. Yeah. Uh, if you would go go to the Facebook page, you know, and if you can think of any character or anything like that that you don't really know too much about, because like I said earlier, the character bio is going to be a thing that we're going to start doing every week. We can, and we'll we'll you try know. to find some ways to jazz it up a little bit too, and yeah, see how we can make it make it uh, yeah. more enjoyable for you. If you liked it, if it was informative, let us know. If there's any character that you would like that you would like for us to specifically cover, let us know. You know we're open to feed we're open to feedback, criticism, compliments, whatever you want to throw at us. We are looking for it. So let us know how we're doing, whether or not you like us or not, and just keep sharing. And you know, hopefully this thing will take off and. Good things are going to happen, Mr. Atkins. Good things are going to happen. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there or on any other podcast service. We're on several. Please do. And um, we'll see you next week. This has been fun, bro. It It has been. Appreciate you talking to me. Absolutely. Anytime. Till we meet again. Till we meet again. I hope hope you have a great day, night, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Right here on Two Guys in a Podcast.